0: My podcast just Magically disappoint your parents. I feel like that was a, a mix of rap and a <laughs> um, I don't know, like a, a like Broadway. Like, you're the next. Uh, what's the name of that writer to Hamilton? Hamilton. Oh, uh, uh, o- o- Lin-Manuel o- Lin- Miranda. We've just uh, we just revealed how unhip we are by not knowing his name right away. because We have hardcore Hamilton fans. We're sorry. I'm just. I'm going to say, next one is like 90s electronica, like, you know, matrix yes. shit that's about to happen. <laughs> all right. So, last episode, we talked about masculinity with our great friend, Dr. Constancio Arnaldo, about the history of sports and Filipinos and masculinity that relates to men, all that jazz. Thank you so much, Constancio, for being on here. I think that you're going to help a lot more than hinder because when we think of men, we kind of think, like, hell no, get out of here. <laughs> um, but you know, we both held space for each other, and I'm really thankful for his friendship and his wisdom. I am appreciative for everything Constancio does for our community, for our culture here in Las Vegas. Right. Especially bringing light to some of the issues that are the root of like you know toxic behaviors, especially within like you know the men in our communities. So if you're attending UNLV, I would recommend looking him up for a class. You know. Go on in. Yeah, I mean, check. if you like the way we talk, I mean, check out the way he talks. <laughs> He's, like, his voice is, like, the nice medium, and we're just a like loud, like, screeching, like, red audio thing right. that goes up and down, so it's, like, that. And if you're around him, you're probably running to us, so. Okay, more than likely. So, yeah, if you go to UNLV, plan to go to UNLV, please take Dr. Arnaldo's class. I highly, highly, highly recommend. So, we're in the second part of the Masculinity episode. Part. We're going to bring on, uh, Daniel Mira. Hey. What's up? Hi. <laughs> Oh, he's going to tell us um, about him, his positionality. What's up, Daniel? Who are you, Daniel?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, for some reason, I had this like fantasy that I was going to do like the intro, too, where I was like, Aww. magically disappointed, but yeah. I real life, it's not my podcast. <laughs> um, okay, wait, what so? was the question again? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> uh, okay, hi, I'm Daniel. Um, I am... Um, I'm a 1.5 generation Filipino mm. uh, via Alaska. Hey, Alaska! Um, also, I'm uh, queer AF. I identify as a gay man,
0: mm. and I'm an
1: English teacher here at uh, in Las Vegas.
0: You do it all. You do it all. Um. So, some interesting things about Daniel when I first met Daniel, oh, like he was a Tell, like tell like um, our listeners how you incorporate some like traditional Filipino uh, mythology into Ooh, your oh I like it already
1: oh well okay so one of the main things or one of the units that I'm going to do for my classroom um, this year is bringing in folklore um, because I'm super interested in like in folklore and I'm just like I'm tired of like reading about like boomer and, like, all that, like, nonsense bullshit, white stuff. Mm. Um, And I was just like, also, I don't know anything about Filipino folklore other than, Mm -hmm. like, um, what I saw in, like, the Philippine cemeteries. And there's this statue of, like, Malakas and Maganda. And then, like, I asked my mom, Mom, who are they? And they're like, uh, my mom goes, oh, there's Adam and Eve in the Philippines. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then she, like, (laughs) transformed it into, like, a, a Christian um western idea of course
0: (laughs) i noticed a lot like that maria that mountain maria makili
1: makili yeah
0: and then like like maria makili like came during like pre like uh, post colonization you know and then like everyone's like saying it looks like maria makili i can never pronounce it right i'm americanized (laughs) and then like the mountain like just understanding like the name and like the derivation (laughs) yes (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, Just the, root, <laughs> yes the, the
0: roots of how that like name is tied to colonization and how these new forms of like you know mythology start to erupt not only that it's like I think it's an interesting thing to always mirror these and like how like Colonized peoples always try to connect their culture to the colonizers, mm. like, you know, religion, you know? So just noticing that, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to your curricula. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's so really cool. bold for you to bring that into the class. Very bold. Um, and I, I hope that goes well, implementing yeah, cool. that.
1: I've already told some of my students who are Filipino, mm-hmm. and, like, their eyes just, like, lit up. And I'm just like, that's what I want, because that's what I yeah, Like, that was my reaction, too, when I realized, oh my gosh, Filipino folklore, like, that makes sense. You're making them
0: feel seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just knowing, like... Like, the queerness of, like, deities, like, within the culture. Yes, yes. You know, and also, like, the feminine, like, feminine, like you know, deities who have, like, these feminine, like, what we quote, like, feminine, like, you know, qualities or, like, you know, personality traits attached right. to them that are seen by the colonizer as, like, you know, being, like, negative. Like, that mm-hmm. derivates, deviates <laughs> from, like, masculinity. So, yeah. going into that, um... What is your sense of masculinity from like your positionality, from your sexual sexuality, yeah. how, ha- how has that shaped you? Heavy questions here.
1: Ooh, yeah, it's very <laughs> heavy. Um,
0: Start from the beginning.
1: Okay, I was going to say, like right now, my definition of masculinity, I have no idea. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why I want to like explore it through like um, the story of our people. Right. rather than the story of like our colonizers because wow. the only idea of masculinity that I have is like what does American masculinity look like what does um, like Spaniard masculinity look like um, mm. and then even then like Asian masculinity um, according to um, you know like today's um, thought is not masculine right um, so then so then I guess like to go back from the beginning um, so I was born in the Philippines. Right. um and my i lived with my mom's um like family and my dad actually lived uh, abroad mm. um so then um and this is like very much in the shadows yeah um and i've just started to like excavate it very recently like after taking say with me therapy <laughs> um, <laughs> um but i started excavating um excavating that like that shadowy part Mm -hmm. of my life because I truly cannot remember um anything before I moved to Alaska Mm -hmm. um and I only like have like bits and pieces of of those things and a lot of those things um as a child would not be like would probably just be like okay it happened but like now as an adult I'm just like that was probably why I'm this way now. Right. Sorry to
0: interject, but how old were you when you moved to Alaska?
1: Um, I was nine. You
0: were nine. Yeah. So
1: then I should have had memories. Yeah. Wow. But for some reason, like, like even uh, like my um, like the process of immigration too. Mm-hmm. I remember going to to the hospital, but I thought I was just getting a checkup. Mm. I remember um, like going with my mom to like sign papers, but I thought I was it was just her doing adult stuff, you know. Um, and then like my dad came back. Um, so like during those nine years mm-hmm. before I um, continue that, um, that part during those nine years, um, so I grew up with my, my mom's family, mm-hmm. um, my Grandma, my mom, and my three aunts practically raised me. Mm. Um, so I had a very, um, like, feminine upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, female-centered upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my grandpa and then my two uncles... And my two uncles were the youngest. So they were, like, growing up as I was growing up, too. Uh-huh. Um, and then I didn't really have... Like, like, my dad wasn't there. Like, there wasn't, like, a fatherly presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time that I was nine... Um, now, going back to the whole, like, I can't remember anything, mm-hmm. um, I just remember my mom and my dad, like, saying, like, oh, hey, let's pack, we're going to go to Alaska, and i was like, oh, great, awesome, <laughs> a vacation, um, and then a week in, I realized, oh, I'm staying here, and it was also during Christmas, so it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, family time, and I've, like, grown up the first nine years having, having like, a big celebration yeah. uh, with, like, my family, but then now it's just, like, it's just my immediate family. Um, and it was so sad.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's isolating in a
1: way, yeah. right? we're like, I want to be home, but this is, like, Alaska is now home. And, like, it was just, it didn't, it wasn't... It what a contrast, like, because right?
0: Philippines, um, starts in the burr months, where, mm-hmm. on Christmas, and so now you're, like, literally... Just on the other end of the spectrum. That, so it's cold. Cool. It's like a different. What is this smell smell Bullshit. Color? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like when I like first landed in Alaska, I was just like, "What the fuck is this white stuff?" Um, and then my dad was like, "Oh, that's snow." And then I see this like polar bear like in I was a di- to say, display. People? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I had to. I had to. Keep um, going. Jokes. I saw this like polar bear on a display, and I was just like, "What? Where am I? Like, I'm in the wild." <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then like also that time when my, um, when I started living or when my family started living in Alaska with my father, that's when I realized, oh, right. He's my dad. Mm. Um, so then I think, um, even from then on, like I was talking to my therapist about this from then on, like, I just don't know how to have a dad. Right. Um, I don't know how to treat him like a dad. Um. And that's why I don't know what masculinity is, because I don't have, like, I never had that model. And even, like, with my grandparents and my two uncles, like, they weren't necessarily, like, um, an eligible model or even, like, a, a proficient model for me, because all they did was, like, ridicule me because I was doing mm. a lot of, like, very, um, like, uh, like, like female-centered, like, activities. Mm-hmm. like I Like, I was always... I was always with my mom, um, and like I was a very studious kid too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always like nose in the books, doing a lot of like a lot of work. And right. then like my grandma like always would show me how to sew. My other aunts would show me like, oh, this is how you cook. And then like my um, my grandpa and my two uncles are just like out. What is it called? Chicken fighting? Oh, Pop fighting? Popcorn. Yeah. So yeah. then it's like I was completely out of their business like the male business and I was always within like my female with my female relatives
0: I want to go back to that piece um, because you were talking about how they weren't really good models for you and Mm -hmm. how you were in a more saturated female centered upbringing but in that piece where you're like well they would ridicule me right and so I think that does still say something about their model for masculinity Mm -hmm. and um, how they in their own way have microaggressions towards you and yep. how you're yep. in this female center, um, child-rearing and becoming a very self-sufficient person, you know, like cooking and um, sewing are things that are kind of not in really in our generation anymore, is right. working with our hands, so kudos to you and having to... It's called survival techniques, <laughs> assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's me, it's like, that's a survival technique, right. that's yeah. what they're telling you, and I, snaps for them, yeah, uh, yeah honestly, because, because that's something that we don't implement. And then no. as soon as like you're like saying, oh, I have these qualities in which you see mainly female centered activities, and, you know, it's like all of a sudden, like you're a deviant or you're deviating away from right. something and then therefore you are wrong. Right. You know, right. it's dehumanizing. Right. I, I also want to ask, you know, because um, I, I think both ways that uh, Filipinos... filipinas and are engendered and whatnot um is kind of this theme of vulnerability does that get to live in either gender like do Um, men or women how what's your experience with that
1: um oh so earlier i i I told you both that like i just started or not just started like within this past year i um had gone to therapy um and it's it's been something that i've had thought about doing for a long time since, like, college, um, but I guess, like, from, like, my years in Alaska, mm-hmm. not only, uh, like, being just, like, thrown into, like, this new culture, mm-hmm. and, like, Alaska, too, is so remote that, like, it has its own different culture of, like, um, Americanness and also of whiteness, mm-hmm. um, that, um, like, I just... I lived through that, not knowing what was happening. Mm. And then by the time that, like, I was in college, things started, like, to kind of, like, crop up. um, Because I've continuously, and, like, going back to, like, vulnerability, continuously would just, like, bury.
0: Oh, wow. Because it's not something that
1: I didn't want to, like, deal with. Like, growing up uh, in in Kodiak, Alaska, it's a small island. um, Even though there's a lot of Filipinos there, um, a lot of them are like very whitewashed Mm -hmm. and like I would even for me I would even say that yes I was also whitewashed because I um, grew up with um, a lot of um, like white classmates
0: right Mm -hmm. and
1: um, I'm not saying that that um, that they're terrible people I mean there are some terrible white women there are a lot (laughs) Um, but like but like the people that I've surrounded myself with uh, like my best friends Mm -hmm. throughout high school are still my friends like very very good friends now Mm -hmm. um And they're all like uh, white men. Mm -hmm. And if we want to even go deeper, they're straight white men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So then um, I've never really thought, and this sounds so bad for me, um, and I'm still trying to kind of heal from, from this too. Like I've never thought of myself as or maybe not. Never thought of it, but like it wasn't a priority. Like my Filipino identity was never a priority to me. Right. Yeah. Um, I, it would always just be uh, my my budding queerness during high mm-hmm, school, mm-hmm. Um, and then my like Asianness is like off to the side.
0: Right. Uh-huh.
1: Um. It wasn't until like when I got here to Nevada where I was just like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of like brown people, like people that look like me. People that sound like me, mm-hmm. people that I could actually talk to in Tagalog. By the way, I'm fluent in Tagalog. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so me, not so much. <laughs> and then when uh, I started realizing that, like, that our communities are starting to get a lot of, or are starting to, not starting to, um, that are um, experiencing a lot of hatred yeah a lot of um mm-hmm. discrimination and even like not you like i wouldn't even say like straight like straight up discrimination and even then like if, if, even if it's like implicit or explicit yeah it's still fucking discrimination yeah okay. um like uh like at the schools sometimes like i'm discriminated because i don't look like a lot of like the other teachers right mm-hmm. um at um on dating apps um that's real because like asian masculinity is sometimes not seen as real masculinity um i'm like fetishized right i think Um, you're
0: speaking a lot of people with that and Mm
1: -hmm. with that like everything just like burst forth and i'm like something is wrong with me i remember talking to my um my former boss uh um, back in Alaska, because mm-hmm. um, I used to work as an RA. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to my former boss, and she was like, what's up? Like, what's what's wrong? And I told her, like, something is fundamentally wrong with me. And then that, like, those words I, like, said out of my mouth. And, like, still sticks to me to this day, because sometimes I, like, that thought still repeats over and over and over right. again, um, that something is fundamentally wrong with me. And then in um, once I moved here, that's when I was just like, yeah, I have to go see a therapist because of that because right. I don't know what's up.
0: And even seeking therapy is seen as a big tab frowned, Ooh, upon, you know? right. frowned upon. Frowned upon's like, what do you mean what's wrong with you? You know? Right. This like, goes back to yesterday when one of our fans mm-hmm. was like, Well, we love hard because um, it's to give you thicker skin. And I don't like is it's it still bothers me. It's right kind of buying into the cycle Mm -hmm. the suppressive cycle Mm -hmm. toxic behaviors and it's like where where does it end yeah you know when does this toxicity like you know stop and when do we recognize it like this regularity or this normalizing of it is wrong you know
1: well say the thing about like tough skin too i was just thinking about it in my head like the thing about let's say the thing about not tough skin like very Mm -hmm. sensitive skin is that it's able to heal back fast yeah and it becomes stronger the thing about tough skin is that it just gonna it's gonna stay broken
0: yeah yeah right it's a facade honestly it's a facade it's a big fucking facade and we're all like right now we're all like we're like this is so deep this is so heavy and just like kind of like being able to burst that forth and i appreciate that so much like that you're able to share that with us, especially, like, I'm, like, thinking cold winter Alaska, culture shock, like, you know, and then, like, these stark contrasts in culture and being able to find community again Mm -hmm. and then finding help, you know? So, like, finding all these evidences of, like, history within your experience, even dating, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just, like, understanding these stereotypes that are being put onto you as a queer Asian man, as Filipino man even, you know? Have there been any times when you had to really resist, you know, and, like, be faced with resistance, therefore, like, in any uh, interaction,
1: family member, partner? I mean, I feel like throughout, now that I'm, like, thinking back to, like, my younger years, a lot of the resistance that I have um, faced or, like, have experienced I think I just like put it off to the side because I didn't want to deal with it. Right. So again, it goes back to like the like lack of vulnerability and um, like, Philip um, in like the Filipino culture, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and now that like I am, like now that I've recognized my own like um, vulnerabilities, now that I've recognized my own like I would even say like my own power, mm-hmm. um, like all those resistances, I just like. Face them like straightforwardly and just like communicate. Right. Um, one of the and it like it it pains me so much. Um, oh my god. Okay.
0: Uh, only if no, you're ready to no, share. Only if you're ready. You don't. Um, you don't have to. No, I'm ready for this. Okay, um okay. right. I'm ready, you're ready, ready
1: for this. Person, your word here. So, just this past summer Mm -hmm. so very recent yeah um I finally had a conversation with my mom and like my mom's like the parent that I like that I look up to right she's the one that I'm closest to she's the one that's been there for me literally like for like my 26 years of my life she's Mm -hmm. been there from the beginning to now Mm -hmm. um when I came out in 10th grade my parents did not take it take that well at all right Mm -hmm. um and it has to do like on top of just um not wanting to have like a gay son in the family right. because of like you know like the, the the optics of that mm-hmm. um, and also the optics of the having a gay a gay son um, in the family in America the mm-hmm. optics of that as well um, but also their religion
0: mm-hmm. like
1: they're so sort of like devout Christians like my dad is like the praise and worship team uh, leader and like my mom um, is like involved in the church. So it's like there's like that layer of optics too, um, but like when I when I revealed to them or when I shared with them like my my sexual orientation, mm-hmm. um, they didn't take it well. I wanted to run away that night. I mean, like where was I gonna go? It was an island? Right. <laughs> um, but
0: that's real talk, though. Yeah, were there trees at least? Maybe. I or... mean, there
1: were trees, but like there are also bears in there. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't think like either way. I think it was just safer for me to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I remember leaving, and like going out on a bike ride like the next morning. I didn't come back till like the afternoon, and like the pastor of the church was there.
0: Ooh, that's kind of terrifying.
1: And I'm like, oh my god. Okay, Again. like literally, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> and then the thing that he brings up, like, and it's so strange. And he like was sharing like about his sons and how his sons too are like sensitive in their own way. And, like, I remember, like, I told him, like, no, pastor, I literally am just attracted to men. Like, I'm gay. Like, what? Like what is the problem here? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: That's bold of you.
1: Yeah. Um, and I don't think, like, he got it. I don't think my parents got it either. Um, and then I think from then on, we kind of just, like, I, I had like, a break from, like, my parents for a while and just, like, did my, did my own thing. That's when I started getting into, like, to jazz band and, like, going into, like, English uh, literature. Um, and, like, those two teachers, like, my music teacher and my English teacher kind of just, like, even though they're both straight white men, they kind of, like, led me through like my, like, masculinity process just a little right. bit um, to make me, like, just be okay with being myself. Right, um, and also like the two classes, are so expressive too. That like I was able to be myself, um, and then um, in college. Wait, I, mean, I feel like I've lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. What were but... we talking about?
0: <laughs> no, no, you were good. It was like my thing was thinking through oh, all resistance. that resistances, right. but then building allyship because you were mentioning your music teacher and your English teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Did you find any kind of model from that? And is there a yeah. model that you, as a queer Filipino man, can give to any other, uh, like you know, queer Filipino man in our like pool of listeners? nez? Well, see, like okay,
1: that's I think like Community. that's that's the thing that was very difficult with me because mm-hmm. the communities that I've been in are so white, right? Um, like again, like it wasn't until like um, when I moved to Las Vegas when I realized there's a, there's a lot of like Filipinos here. And it wasn't until maybe like even last year when I started reaching out to like um, the Filipino community. That's how I know um Constancio. hmm And when I first uh, um, had like a, a like a, an interview with like Constancio, I, I told him like I've never thought that there could be Filipino professors.
0: Yeah. I've never
1: thought that they That's could true be though. like That's deep. I've never thought that and like my friend um, Camille, who's now also going to be um, Future Doctor Camille and I'm just like yes, girl. Um, also Filipino, so I'm just like yes. She um, introduced me to like Filipino literature, and I'm like, who would have thought that there were like Filipino authors? Um, being like an English major, that's like huge. Like for we always talk about like representation and all that stuff, and like I'm reading like Virginia Woolf, like E.M. Forster, like where are the Filipinos in those stories? Nowhere. Right. Um, so I guess like. Um, for models, it was difficult for me to find them because I I wasn't in the community for them. But now here, now that I have, like, you both, um, (laughs) Constancio, um, and, like, even, like, my friend Dan, Camille, like, I I have a community now, um, and it's... I'm gonna
0: tear out. Don't. (laughs) I think... Um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that um, you, you know, we started this episode talking about how you were going to interject something in the curriculum, and these people are coming yes, at a young thinking. age, and your mm-hmm. life is really coming full circle, because um, you, in your experience, I'm, am it's like we're almost like in this dystopia, like we don't, I think about like Handmaid's Tale and stuff, oh like, but yeah. like where it's just like, we know of a past but it's in the back of our subconscious. And so when we re-meet it again, we're able to piece together our life and think that we're not the ones who are fundamentally wrong. It's the system that right. has has hid and buried a lot of the things that serve us as better people to each other and to ourselves. And so um, I think it's beautiful that at, you're now that English teacher who is introducing at such a young age. Exactly, and like, that's what my thought was. Like, you're becoming a model right you know and i in In your own right in your own right being able to interject and find intervene like to intervene in these like toxic behaviors Mm -hmm. and then be able to incorporate you know like part of our culture into like not the word subverse but kind of like find where we can insert more inclusion and awareness of like what happens in our communities And then finding these traits within our mythology, like... And I think that's beautiful. And, like, your story, everything you're going through, being able to go ahead and, like, find... Find just the strength and the will to go ahead and seek help and be able to, like, acknowledge some of these... Things that have happened to you, despite how buried they were, you're excavating. You're yeah. getting to El Dorado, right? <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Let's find that gold. <laughs> get the Because
0: our, our Filipino men in our community don't really seek um, therapy, and that's you. huge. You know, you know. Yesterday we talked about yeah. how um, Constancio outright says he loves something, right? And to, for you, you're like, I'm healing through therapy. These are very contrasting things in our community, because it's um, showing vulnerability is showing. Um, An access to chismis, right, and and microaggressions Mm -hmm. within our community, and, you know, we're all being really transparent in our conversation today. And I think what you were going through before you even started seeking therapy mirrors and also shows what happens in the community is Mm -hmm. that we bury these things. We let them fester, you know, and then it kind of lets us rot away and, like, not find you know, ways to heal, you yeah. know, and so we're just continuing these cycles. But you, what you're doing, you're intervening in those cycles. Mm-hmm. You're trying to go ahead and explore, like, these themes of, like, feminine and masculinity within your own right. Right. You no, know? and I think that's beautiful. Okay, yeah, right, I if feel like you didn't investigate kids. your masculinity, um, you could have reached a real breaking point, right? Oh, yeah, that I'm a definitely. lot of our peers are experiencing, be it suicide or running away or taking up a new persona somewhere else, like, in um, essentially you saved yourself you did and so daniel do you have any like last words for any of the listeners you know like some words of wisdom to impart you know any thoughts
1: um one of the things that or like i have a lot of things to say um um, uh, well one go to therapy um like and don't don't worry about the optics of it like what you're doing is seeking help Mm-hmm. And for the betterment of yourself, mm-hmm. rather than for the betterment of like what what you think you look like to other people. Like it like who cares? Who the fuck cares? Like <laughs> worry about yourself. Um, um, and lastly, it's never too late to have a like a Filipino awakening. Yeah. Oh, that's real. It's never yeah. too late. It's never too late. never too late. Here I am, 26, and I'm just learning how to be Filipino.
0: That's huge, because some people are like, well, forget it. I've lived this long as an American. Right. You know, who cares? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. And so I think that's, you know, giving uh, giving yourself a shot is an important thing you taught us today. And thank you so much for your experience, your wisdom, everything that you bring to the table. Thank, thank you for knowing. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so yeah. in conclusion. In conclusion, I really feel like Daniel brought um, another way for men to be masculine in our community which is um not only a sense of vulnerability but a sense of actively self-healing and taking inventory of how um how we are still existing in this colonized state of thought so um i'm so thankful for that i'm thankful to be able to have that space and being able to negotiate the space Mm -hmm. you know and being aware and being conscious of like what it means to bring a queer Filipino man onto our show, you know, like what that represents is building these bridges, finding ways of like you know solutions, healing community, you know, and yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Allyship on both sides of the aisle, mm-hmm. yes, yes, that's feminist. That's ten minutes. fans. So it's time to sign off, my friends, but you know what? I'm gonna ask a special request that um, Daniel sing the the oh his, my God. his own what? improv part. So Rose, you get to say the uh, first half and our special guest gets, gets to sing for the first time the second half. Okay, you know the the jingle. <laughs> so uh, this is Jean signing off. And this is Rose. And we are still Magic Lean is appointing our (laughs) paradise.